Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone that's in the United States, Canada, and whatever time zone, whoever's listening to me, with my over 2 billion people potential reach, as as billion with a B, um, I know it would take a miracle of Yah, Yah short for God or Yehovah, that is the Hebrew name of Almighty God. It would take a miracle, but you know miracles do happen, as uh, He shows me and other people who are listening to this program. Well, this program would be very interesting here. It's about the, the consummation of God's plan, the conclusion of it. Uh, 1,000 years of peace in the new heavens and the new earth. That's really what this is all about. Getting back to the Gan Eden state or the Garden of Eden state that was uh, originally set. And we know what happened, right? We know the story. Uh, Adam sinned and and Hasatan or the devil uh, influencing the sin through his wife. And we're all, we are in this mess because of uh, his sin. Uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And it explains the mess that we're in here. Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entereth into the world, and death by sin. And so death pass upon all men, for that all have sinned. And I'm trying to simplify this here. I can go into detail, but really the purpose, one of the major purposes of preaching is uh, simplification, uh, to be able to uh, simplify and clarify certain things. Uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 15, and here's the summation of God's plan here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For as in Adam or Adam all die, even so in Messiah or Christ shall all be made alive. However, there's an order. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. By, but every man in his own order, Christ or Messiah, the firstfruits, after that, they that are Messiahs at his coming, those who are listening to me right now 
and understanding what I'm saying, the greatest being in the universe, the Father, is calling you to become the Messiah's bride. Hold your place here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23, and we're going to turn to John chapter 6, verse 44. Plainly here. No man can come to me, that means to the Messiah. No man can come to the Messiah, John 6, verse 44, except the Father, his Father and our Father, which have sent me, draw him. The Greek for draw is helkuo or helko, it means to drag, to drag. And I will raise him up at the last day. In verse 45 of John chapter 6, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and have learned of the Father comes unto me. Comes unto me. And so if you have learned of the Father, the Father is drawing you. He's drawing you to me and a select other few, not that many around the world because I, I certainly don't believe I'm the only one uh, the only true Torah teacher matter of fact I know that to be true I, there's there's a fellow <laughs> Torah teacher or Torah teachers that I assemble and they're true Torah teachers as well but anyway uh, verse 45 it is written in the prophets and they shall be all taught of God every man therefore that have heard and have learned of the Father comes unto me and so if you're listening to me and if you're understanding what I'm saying, then you are being taught by the Father. You have learned of the Father, and the Father's drawing you to me to learn about Messiah and himself. And so that, that's, that's some interesting um, teaching there that, that you really need to understand. All right, so to the um, other scripture that I was uh, elaborating on here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. But it says, But every man in his own order, the Messiah, the firstfruits, after that day which are Christ at his coming. The firstfruits, they are the bride of the Messiah. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he, talking about Messiah, must reign till he put all enemies under his feet. In verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Verse 27, for he hath put all things under his feet, the entire universe. But when he says all things or the entire universe are put under him, it is manifest that he, and when it says he, that's talking about the Father, the Father is accepted. The Father is also over Messiah. It says uh, right here that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. So the Father put all things under Messiah, which proves that they're two separate beings. Uh, there's a, a great false teaching going around the Hebraic Roots movement and, and, and other movements or um, churches that uh, God the Father and God the Son are one being, and that's not true at all. Uh, first as you can see, reading this, uh, these verses here. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28, And when all things shall be as subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him. So that's a plain scripture, folks, and people going around trying to say that, that God the Father and God the Son are one being. They do not know what they're talking about. 
uh, verse 28, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So that is the goal for God to be in all of us, in all of us, just like the prayer, the true Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. He states plainly, this is the overall goal. John 17, verse 21, that they all may be one, ichad. When you read the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, the Lord is one, that's that same uh, Hebrew word, ichad. It means to be one. But this is, the, the Messiah explains you what that means, though. And it doesn't mean like most people, or uh, not most people, uh, a significant portion anyway, they think that the Father and the Son are one being, and that's not true. Because he, he defines it here, he interprets it. The Bible interprets itself. John 17, verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, two separate beings. That they also may be one in us, plural, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So he's comparing the oneness of his Father and, and himself with the assembly. Now, let me ask you a question. The assembly or the church of God are scattered worldwide. But he, he looks at us as being one. Are we all one being? Of course not. We're one because we should be unified and we should have the same beliefs. Well, the Father and the Son are already unified and they have the same beliefs and they agree on everything. And that is the goal and that's what will happen with uh, the wife or the bride of Messiah, the first fruits. The Bible says so. And he prayed that we may be one just like the Father and the Son are one. And it says right here, that they all may be one as thou, Father, in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 22, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. And that's a very clear scripture that will tell anyone that the Father and the Son aren't one being. They're one because they are unified and they agree on everything. Verse 22, I in them, verse 23 rather, John chapter 17, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. All right? So that is the goal for not just the first fruits, but all of mankind to be one with God so that God can dwell all in all in everyone. That is the goal. And so I just wanted to summarize what I'm going to go a little more in detail here with Revelation 20, 21, and 22. But what I'm going to do, what I usually do in this program, is briefly go over any significant world events. Um, let me go to watch.org. Koenig, K-O-E-N-I-G, Koenig, International News. Uh, it says, Palestinian Authority, Incitement behind soaring anti-Semitism, Netanyahu says. Says Prime Minister says, distortion of Israel is why West Bank and Gaza have highest rates of anti-Semitism in the world. Uh, you can continue to read that at your leisure. Uh, U.S. official Obama blames settlements for failed talks. U.N. report, Iran pursuing development of ballistic missiles. In wake of talks, collapse, Bennett to present Netanyahu with proposal to the next area C. All right, so... These times here, things are heating up, ladies and gentlemen, and, and 
Things will begin in Jerusalem and they will end in Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 12 tells us that. It says, Zechariah 12 verse 1, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, says the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and lay up the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. So this scripture proves we do have a spirit. Verse 2 of Zechariah chapter 12. Behold, I will make Jerusalem or Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah, that's to the Jews, and also against Jerusalem. Verse 3, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. So it's a particular day that this will happen. It says, in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, for all of mankind, that burden themselves with it. So this is all of mankind that burden themselves with it that involve themselves with the, the peace talks and all this other junk that they're doing right now, that, that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, and that's a warning. If you are involved in this um, it's, this monkey business that's going on right now, the, the Bible says you will be cut off, trying to uh, separate the land and trying to say that Israel does not have full authority by Yah to own all that land says, that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people there be gathered against it. So that's a warning. That's a warning. Uh, our world leaders need to read that scripture and act accordingly. Because in Jeremiah chapter 18, it states the following. Jeremiah 18, verse 7, says, At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have pronounced, turn or repent due to Shuva from their evil. I will repent, that means change, change of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And that applies to every single world leader, not just the President of the United States. Okay, so let's take look at a little domestic news here, and then I'm going to get into the Bible study. <clears throat> Turn to the, uh, or you could uh, not turn, but <laughs> if you are by your PC, uh, the economic collapse blog.com. The economic collapse blog.com. So that's the name of the URL, is uh, the economic collapse blog.com. And he has an interesting headline here, one of his blog articles. He says, The meat crisis is here. Price of shrimp up 61%. 7 million pigs dead. Beef at all-time high. So he says, As the price of meat continues to skyrocket, it will it soon be considered a luxury item for most American families. This week we learned that the price of the meat, or the price of meat in the United States rose at the fastest pace in more than 10 years last month. Let me underscore that. This week we learned that the price of meat in the United States rose at the fastest pace in more than 10 years last month. Leading the way is the price of shrimp. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the price of shrimp has jumped an astounding 61% compared to a year ago. The price of pork is also moving upward aggressively thanks to a disease which has already killed about 10% of all the pigs in the entire country. And the endless drought in the western half of the country has caused the size of the U.S. cattle herd to shrink to a 63-year low and has pushed the price of beef to an all-time high. This is really bad news if you like to eat meat. The truth is that the coming meat crisis is already here, and it looks like it is going to get a lot worse in the months ahead. This reminds me of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 3, 
turn to Isaiah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah. So when it says Jerusalem and from Judah, uh, Judah is referring to the Jews, but Jerusalem can refer to all the tribes of Israel. Does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread. That's the ability to feed yourself properly and take care of yourself and the whole stay of water, so water and bread. And so that's what he's doing right now. He's, he's going to be taking away that because of our sins. Isaiah chapter 59 reveals that. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, he says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. And so that's the reason why he's allowing these things to occur in the hope that uh, you will repent. That's why he's doing it. That's how he punishes adults. He takes away what we love, which we, especially Americans, we love food, don't we? We love to eat. So what are the other headlines here on the Economic Collapse website? He says, cities all over America are becoming extremely cruel to the homeless. And that's that's unfortunate, but I'll read a little bit of this. It says, have you ever given food to a homeless person? Well, if you do it again in the future, it might be a criminal act, depending on where you live. Right now, there are dozens of major U.S. cities that have already passed laws against feeding the homeless. As you will read about below in some areas of the country, you can actually be fined hundreds of dollars for just trying to give food to a hungry person. And this is pitiful. This is another prophecy that I'm going to quote. This is reminding me of another prophecy about Israel, who, if you've been listening to this program, one of the main vital doctors that you must understand is that Israel is not just referring to the Jews. It's referring to the other tribes. Um, in Genesis chapter 49, it outlines 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, that's where we get Jew from, is one of those tribes. And most people think that uh, whenever you see Israel, it's talking about the Jews only. No, 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 no. It's talking about those other 11 tribes which the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, are a part of. So when I say Israel, I'm not just referring to the Jews. And when the Bible is talking about Israel, in most cases, it's not just referring to the Jews. So that may be a bombshell for those who are listening to me for the first time. But for you to properly understand the prophecies, and quite frankly, to understand the Bible properly, you need to understand that. But anyway says, as you will read below, about below, in some areas of the country, you can actually be fined hundreds of dollars for just trying to give food to a hungry person. I know that sounds absolutely insane, but this is what America is turning into. Communities all over the country are attempting to clean up the streets by making it virtually illegal to either be homeless or to help those that are homeless. Now, what kind of compassion is that? There's, there's no compassion or mercy there, is there? Instead of spending more money on the programs to assist the homeless, Local governments are bulldozing tent cities and giving homeless people one-way bus tickets out of town. We are treating some of the most vulnerable members of our society like human garbage, and it is a national disgrace. Another prophecy comes to mind here. Let's turn to Isaiah. 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 Chapter... 1, verse 18. Now, before I even go to that, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, or Amos, 
which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, so the entire tribes of Israel, in the days of Uzzah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2, and this, is, this message is for the entire world, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Verse 3, the ox knows his owner, and he adds his master's crib. But Israel does not know. People don't consider it. What he's saying is that Israel don't know who their God is. They don't even know who they are. They don't. Israel does not. They don't know that they are part of the 12 tribes of Israel today. And people say, well, they knew back in the first century, perhaps. They, don't, they certainly don't know now. This is a prophecy for the end times, for the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? So let, let's get real here. Verse 4, it says, All oh, sinful nation of people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They have gone away backwards. Verse 5, Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. Our government is sick. The head of our countries are sick. Our, the, the countries of modern Israel are sick. We should be leading the world. Instead, we lead the world in filth. And the whole heart is faint, or sticks, from the sole of the foot. Even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. We don't know how, we don't really focus on natural healing, healing through essential oils and, and herbs and vegetables. We focus more on synthetic chemicals that we make from plants that just treat the effect and not the cause of illness. That's what this is talking about. Verse 7, all of this bad fruit is going to lead to the following. Verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 1. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land. Strangers devoured in your presence. Well, that's happening all way. Ready, we have foreigners coming over here buying up our, buying property and, and, and and uh, investing in this country. It, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And verse 8, And the daughter of Zion, that's the uh, modern uh, Jerusalem, is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Verse 9, Except the Lord of hosts have left unto us a very small remnant, and that's what he's going to do, and that's what he is doing. We should have been at, as Sodom. We should have been like unto Gomorrah. In verse 10, he says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, the Torah and instructions of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And so that's what he calls the leaders of modern Israel today, Canada, United States, countries in northwestern Europe, New Zealand, South Africa, Australia. He calls us Sodom, calls the leaders in particular Sodom and Gomorrah. And he also said, you people of Gomorrah, says the rulers are, are Sodom and the people are Gomorrah. <laughs> that's, that's unfortunately. I mean, that's unfortunate, rather. All right, so getting to what I just read about us oppressing the poor, what he wants us to do, starting in verse 15 of Isaiah chapter 1, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, when you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. 
it's like I read in Isaiah chapter 59. The reason why we're separated from God is because we don't do what pleases him, which obey his commandments. Verse 16, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings, washing, making you clean. That can, can all be pictured by deciding to be baptized, to be immersed, to clean up that body and mind. And when you rise up out of the water, you become a new man, a new woman, and you do the best you can through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey all the commandments of God. Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. We have to cease to do evil, folks. Verse 17, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, not ignore them. Relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Verse 18, come now and let us reason together. Yes, you can reason with him. I do it. Moses did it. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. However, verse 20, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, with war. For the mouth of the Lord have spoken. Verse 21, how is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. But it's talking about Jerusalem, but... Again, Jerusalem was the capital city of all, or should be the capital city of all the 12 tribes. Verse 22, thy silver is become dross, thy wine mixed with water. Verse 23, thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves, everyone love of gifts and follow after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come, and this is sad. Therefore says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, I will Ease me of my adversaries, avenge me of my enemies. And so we've got to stop this, ladies and gentlemen. We, we, stop, we have to stop oppressing the poor. And we have to um, not look at our fellow American citizens like trash. We can't, we can't do that. Um, God would not be pleased. And he's not; he will not be pleased with that with that type of attitude, ladies and gentlemen. We can't continue as a nation. And I'm talking as an American citizen here. We can't continue as a nation acting like this. In Isaiah chapter three, it's verse twelve. This is this pictures our American society today, and, and all those other regions around the world. I mentioned. It says, as for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them, not just uh, politically, but also uh, secularly, but also religiously. You have women apostles. You have women that want to run assemblies and all that, rule over men. It says, oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Verse 13, the Lord stands up to plead and stand up to judge the people. Verse 14, the Lord will enter into judgment with ancients of his people and the princes thereof, for you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor are in your houses. Verse 15, what mean ye that you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, says the Lord, God of hosts. And so, if you read the rest of this chapter, Isaiah chapter 3, it's, it's, it's a perfect description of 21st century society 
in the United States, Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. It really, truly is. All right. Let's go back. Let's go back. And I'm going to focus on Revelation chapter 20, 21, and 22 the best way I can. And we're going to close this Bible study on the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. In verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. In verse 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now, I want you to understand that statement. That's what he does. He deceives, he tricks the nations. And that word means plan aho or planio in Greek, and it means to go astray, to err, to seduce. All right? That's what he's doing as I'm speaking into thinking the law of Moses is not the law of God when the Bible plainly reveals that it is. He's deceived people into thinking that the Messiah came to uh, keep the instructions of God so you don't have to. He's deceived people into thinking into thinking that anyone that preaches that the law of God is the law of Moses is crazy and etc. He, he, he has done that. Uh, he said he should deceive the nations no more. So can you picture a world where the devil doesn't deceive the nations anymore? Revelation 12 verse 9 says that he's doing it now as I speak. He's, he deceives the whole world. He won't be deceiving the nations anymore. It says till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So for a thousand years he won't be deceiving the nations. But he's going to be let loose a little season. And after that he must be loosed a little season. Verse 4. Of Revelation chapter 20 and I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw let me hold your place here I want to, I want the Bible to describe to you how he deceives people because most people don't understand that Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians chapter 2 starting at verse 1 and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins verse 2 wherein in time past he's talking about people uh, like myself and others who have been immersed and have repented, received the Holy Spirit, and are doing the best that they can to overcome sin. Uh, it says, wherein in time past you walked according, so in time past I walked into the court, but I don't now. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. What's the course of this world? According to the prince of the power of the air. That's another name for Hasatan, the devil. So he has power over the atmosphere. And that air means... Um, yeah, it means air. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Not just talking about young children, but human beings. Human beings. All right? So he's working in the children of disobedience. And it's in verse 3, it says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All right, so that's what that the devil does. He he works in the atmosphere. He he uh, it's like a radio frequency. 
broadcasts his evil character in the atmosphere, and spiritually, it, most people are in tune with that spirit, that wicked spirit. That's why the Bible tells us in First uh, John chapter four, verse one, it says, "Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits or test the spirits whether they are of God, because many, not the, not few, but many false prophets are gone out into the world." And so the, the devil has re- deceived the whole world. You know that he has quite a few ministers. And Second Corinthians chapter eleven reveals this. Reveals this this truth here. Uh, I think it's Second Corinthians uh, chapter eleven about um, apostles. Let me find here. But the devil is a very crafty being. Um, his whole purpose is to destroy, destroy, destroy. Yes, Second Corinthians eleven, verse thirteen. Second Corinthians eleven, verse thirteen. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, tricky workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Messiah. Verse fourteen. And no marvel, for Hasatan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Verse fifteen. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And so there's many, there's not that many true uh, Torah teachers or ministers of God, ladies and gentlemen, because in Matthew chapter 7, it states plainly, it says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, states this, he says, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads into life, and few there be that find it. So there's not that many uh, true Torah teachers in the world, ladies and gentlemen. But as far as the devil's ministers, there's quite a few of them. Quite a few of them. All right, so let's go back. I just wanted to, to explain to you the tremendous damage that the devil has caused to the population of the world. In Revelation 18, verse 3, it says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the butters of her delicacies. And it's talking about the geopolitical and religious system called Babylon that the devil has created to deceive people around the world. All right, so back to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them, or the lives of them, that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands. The mark of the beast simply is you saying that you're going to worship God, and you, the Sabbath is on Sunday, and it's not on Saturday. That's what the mark ultimately is. I know people are saying it may be a chip put in the hand, maybe, but also it certainly has something to do with um, not keeping the Sabbath and um, saying that you're going to just uh, worship God on Sunday. That'll be the religious day that you worship Him on, resting on Shabbat like you should be, and really. Uh, it's a commanded assembly, and that's the time when people also, uh, that God commands us to really come together and worship him on Shabbat. So anyway, that's what the mark of the beast 
certainly will be involved in Sunday worship, Sunday sun god worship. All right, so neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, and these people refused to to uh, do Sunday sun god worship, and they uh, continued to keep the Shabbat, and if they weren't allowed to do that, they gladly um, gave their head, and they allowed their head to be cut off. Anyway, had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reign with the Messiah a thousand years. So if you get your head cut off because of keeping the commandments of God, you will be ruling with Messiah a thousand years, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So I want you to notice that it says the rest of the dead lived not again, meaning that the rest of the dead will live again, some of them anyway, uh, until the thousand years were finished. So keep that in mind in verse 5. It says, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. So the rest of the dead will live again, but how long? We'll find that out here in a minute. This is the first resurrection. And in verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that have part in the first resurrection, or such the second death has no power. The second death has no power. And that word means um, no strength. No strength. But they shall be priests of God and Christ. So they'll be priests of two beings, the Father and of the Son. And I want you to notice um, the first fruits, those who successfully obey God in this age will be priests of God and of Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. Verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loose out of his prison, so he's going to be put in a prison. In verse 8, And shall go out to deceive and trick the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog. So that's the Bible interpretation of Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog, which is found in Ezekiel 38 and 39, are all the nations of the world, all the um, the nations that don't, don't obey God around the world. And shall go out to deceive all the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, north, south, east, and west, Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog are the, the the Bible definition of Gog and Magog are the four quarters of the earth, north, south, east, and west, of all the nations that do not obey God, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Verse 9, And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which the beast and the prof, false prophet, and the word are was added. I'm not going to, uh, you know, that word is, since that word is added, I'm not going to mention it. It says, the beast and the false prophet, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And, you know, forever and ever means ages to the ages. Verse 11, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no, found no place for them. And I saw the dead. So this is, when the, this is the second resurrection. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So this is a judgment period. I don't know how long the judgment period will be, but all the people who have ever lived who aren't the first fruits will be judged at this time. That's why it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. And they're going to compare their their works to what the Bible says 
is right and what is wrong, and they will be judged accordingly for that. So I want you to notice that because people are teaching that this is a uh, a judgment where everybody is going to be ruled guilty and thrown in a lake of fire. That, that's, let me read the rest of it to show you plainly that's not the case. Verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were also judged. So you have this group, um, one group that was judged through the book of life, and here's another one. This is the, uh, the group that the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they will judge every man according to their works. And verse 14, in death and hell, which means Hades, the spirit realm of the dead, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So the second death involves death and the realm of spirits being cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And verse 15 is a key verse for all this, for the great white throne judgment period. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. All right? And so let me repeat this again. And whosoever was not found written in the book, obviously this indicates that some people will be found written in the book of life during this judgment period. It has to. Because why does it say, and whosoever was not found written in the book? If, if if all the people are going to be thrown in the lake of fire, then why would God say this? Why would God inspire John to say, and whosoever was not found written in the book? Obviously, that's giving you indication that some people will be found written in the book during this great right known judgment period. So, and let me repeat this again. Let me see if there's an easier translation here for you to understand this. So, yeah, Revelation 20, verse 15, an amplified version of the Bible says, And if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire, which obviously indicates that some people's names will be found in the book of life. I don't know if you've ever realized this one vital scripture, but it's right there for anyone to see. And it says, And if anyone's name, it's a condition, if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire, which means that some people's names will be found written in the book of life, ladies and gentlemen. All right? God is a merciful God, and he desires everyone to repent. Everyone to repent. He doesn't want anyone not to repent, ladies and gentlemen. So let's understand that. that that's his goal. That's his goal. And he's going to do everything he can to give people an opportunity to repent, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so if death and the realm of the dead is tossed in the lake of fire, then there will not be a realm of the dead anymore, and there will not be any death anymore. Now, one of the things you need to understand about this time period, Isaiah chapter, let me turn to Isaiah chapter uh, 65, Isaiah chapter 65, starting in verse 17, he says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. And that's that's talking about Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read in a moment, but I want you to understand something here. Isaiah 65, verse 18, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a rejoicing in her people of joy. Verse 19, And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And the sound of weeping will no, no more be heard in it, nor the cry of distress. Verse 20, There shall be no no more... 
there shall no more be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who dies prematurely. For the child shall die a hundred years old, and a sinner who dies when only a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. Verse 22, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree, so shall it be the days of my people and my chosen and elect shall long make use of it and enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bring forth children for, for sudden terror or calamity, for they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall be that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. So this is a picture of the millennium and also the great white throne judgment period, all right, uh, where people will be given an opportunity to live. Uh, the great white throne judgment period, I don't know if it's going to be 100 years. It appears based on the context that people are going to be judged from that, from the books, and, and they're going to be determined whether or not their name is found written in the book of life or not. But certainly in the, during the millennium, uh, people will be uh, living a very long time. But there still will be sin. There will still be sin, as the scriptures indicated, and there will be death. However, when death and the realm of the dead is thrown in a lake of fire, death and the spirit realm of, of bodies separated uh, from spirits separated from their bodies will no longer exist. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that if it says sin here, that's talking about during the millennium, because sin will still exist during the millennium. But at the close of the millennium and at the close of the great right throne judgment, sin will not exist anymore. And if sin does not exist, death will not exist, because it's only by sin that death occurs in the first place. Okay, I just wanted to clarify that. So Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 Getting back to the Gan Eden state, or the Garden of Eden state. Starting at verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And so there's a holy city, New Jerusalem. It's in heaven right now, folks. Your scriptures say that. The holy city, New Jerusalem, is in heaven right now but it's going to come down out of heaven along with the Father himself. And I, and, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so the New Jerusalem is a part of the wife of the bride of Christ, the Messiah, the first fruits. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, This is the voice of the Father. God the Father, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so God is bringing the new Jerusalem, the, the Messiah's bride, or actually the Messiah's bride's home, that's where the bride will live in new Jerusalem, down to the earth along with himself. Verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. As I just stated to you, there will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. 
so there will be no more death, no more lake of fire, no more uh, disembodied um, um, lives or souls. In other words, there will no more be spirits separated from their bodies. None of that will exist anymore. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. They don't exist anymore. Verse 5, And he said, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. Do you believe that? I do. Verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the, of the fountain of the water of life freely. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. I want you to notice that word freely. <laughs> Verse 7, He that overcomes shall inherit all things, the entire universe. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So he that overcomes shall in inherit the entire universe. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And remember, if you have a part in that, you will no longer exist. Because what, did I, what does the scripture say here? It says plainly, for the former things are passed away. They don't exist anymore. Are passed away. Are passed away. That Greek word means, ep, and it means to go off, to depart, pass away, be passed. Doesn't exist. All right? So let's continue on. I'm trying to speak Greek as best I can, so be patient with me. But anyway. <laughs> Verse 9 of Revelation chapter 21. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So, okay, now we get a description of who the lamb's wife is. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit into a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. So the lamb's wife is certainly the, the church, the assembly, but is also the city that they're going to be living in. All right? And he carried me away in the spirit to the great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Verse 11, having the glory of God and her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. Now, how do I know that uh, the people will be, uh, the first fruits will be living in New Jerusalem? Well, hold your place here, because the Bible reveals that to be the case. Revelation chapter 3. Him that overcome will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon my new name. And then in um, John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. Okay, so obviously the Lamb's wife involves the city of Jerusalem, and you know that people live in a city, right? So, All right, so, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Verse 11, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates. 
and at the gates twelve angels and names written there, in which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So that's our foundation, folks, the, the twelve apostles. Verse 15, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, and the length and the breadth, the height of it, are equal. And he measured the wall there of 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. That is of the angel. And the building the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city was garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. I mean, this is just a beautiful, beautiful vision, folks. I just hope you can envision this in your mind, uh, how beautiful this is. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third um, chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth um, sardox, uh, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth burrow, the ninth topaz, the tenth christophorus, the 11th Jansif, the 12th Amethyst, and this is just amazing. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Verse 22, And I saw no temple there, and for the Lord God Almighty and the, and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. So there's going to be more than one nation, folks. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all at all by day, for there shall be no night therein. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles or decays, neither whatsoever work of abomination or make up a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life, which is the book of life. Now some people are teaching that this is a separate book, uh, but the Lamb, the uh, Son of God, owns everything that the Father owns. And so this is talking about the book of life because the Lamb of God is also God too, right? So Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And verse 2. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river there was a tree of life. And so on either side of the river was a tree of life. There's two tree of life here, which bear twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, at this point, the healing certainly is not talking about physical healing because everyone would be spirits, spirit beings at this time. It's talking about some rejuvenation because Yeshua stated that we would have the right to the tree of life, would be able to eat of the tree of life. So obviously eating from the uh, tree of life is healthy for us. And it provides some kind of spiritual healing, not uh, on a physical plane, though. Verse 3, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Verse 4, And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Verse 5, And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God given them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So we're all going to reign. Everyone on the earth at this time will have some kind of rulership, responsibilities every man and a woman that you know when you're women when you're changing to a spirit being 
you certainly won't be a man, a woman anymore, because there's no sex in the kingdom of God, which flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 6, And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done uh, in this 21st century, I'm going to add, because uh, this book is certainly open right now, and I, I just don't see us lasting um, this century. Verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And so he's, he's going to be coming quickly here in this century, in this 21st century. Verse 8, and I, and I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Uh, I have about two minutes left. Um, I'm going to briefly talk, probably another five or ten minutes. So I'm going to be going off the air here soon in, in the next two minutes. But I implore you and I encourage you to listen to the remainder of this message in the archives. All right. In verse 8, And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. And when I heard them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. In verse 9, Then said he unto me, See that thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Verse 10, And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. It certainly is in the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Verse 12 of Revelation chapter 22. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So he's going to reward us. Our works aren't going to save us, but it's going to give us um, a certain type of reward based on the works that we're doing. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates as all the other nations did and will do. Verse 15, For without or, though without or outside the city, and these people are dead already, are dogs and sorcerers and hallmongers and murderers and idolaters and whoever loveth and maketh a lie. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches or the assemblies. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So, in verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride says, Come, and let him that heareth come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. So he wants us all to take of this freely, ladies and gentlemen. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things that are written in the book. Verse 20. He which testified these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, this ends the book of Revelation Bible study. I'm going to briefly go over each chapter and what each chapter is talking about. Revelation chapter 1. It's an introductory chapter. It introduces the fact that 
in verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ was God's given to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Father gave him, so again, that shows you the two separate beings, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And it talks about um, significant things in this chapter uh, that uh, an assembly can be a candlestick uh, that um, it states also that uh, the first fruits are already kings and priests spiritually, but they will be literally kings and priests in the future. And it also says there's a certain blessing in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written there and for the time is at hand. And this book was certainly uh, prophesied to be open in this 21st century for anyone that wants to understand. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is a message to all the churches or the assemblies that have existed throughout the ages. Ever since uh, Yeshua landed his feet on the earth as a human being, or he came to the earth as a human being. Uh, and after he ascended to heaven, that's when the assembly began, basically, and uh, the assemblies begin or began, and this is a prophetic message for all the assemblies leading up into today and uh, in the future. Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation 2 and 3. Revelation chapter 4, John was taken into heaven. I know people, they, they eisegesis this scripture to death in verse 1, saying, oh, this is the church being taken to heaven. No, this was just John being taken to heaven in a vision. One other scripture that I want you to, to understand is... Um, Revelation 1, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's not talking about Shabbat or the Sabbath, and it's not talking about Sunday. The Lord's day is talking about the day of the Lord. He was taken in spirit in the future, in the 21st century, to the day of the Lord and the prophetic events that will be occurring in this century. That's what it's talking about here. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as, as a trumpet. All right, so that's the common theme of the entire book of Revelation. All right, so Revelation chapter 4 and 5 gives you a picture of what heaven looks like and also gives you a picture of what the Father looks like, ladies and gentlemen, which is uh, pretty interesting here because the description of the Father is spectacular. And let me read this to you here. It says right here, And immediately I was in the Spirit, Revelation 4, verse 3, verse 2, rather, Revelation 4, verse 2, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and this is the Father, and he sat, and he that was, that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Okay, and a jasper uh, is a gem. All right, and let me see if I can get a further description of, okay, here we go. Yeah, jasper is a purple or green color. All right, and sardine. Sardine is um, a red color, so purple, green, and red. And then and there was a rainbow around about the throne, in, in sight like unto an emerald. And so, anyway, the description of what the Father looks like it says right here in Revelation four verse three, and he that sat upon was to look like upon a jasper, and a sardine stone. So the Father he has colors of purple and green and red 
That's what he looks like. And there is a rainbow round about the throne in, 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 light, in sight, like unto an emerald. And so that is a that's as close as anyone has ever got to seeing the Father. And he says he that was he that sat was, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now he that sat upon the throne has a hand because has a hand because in Revelation five verse one it says that. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And so obviously if he has a hand, he has a body and he and he has uh so this is this a description of the Father according to the Bible. It's a being that it's a being that looks like Jasper, which has colors of um or green, and and a, and a sardine stone. So he has purple and green and a reddish color, and he looks like jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. Okay? So that's as close as anyone has ever gotten to seeing the Father. And the Father has a hand. Revelation 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Okay, so he has a, he has a hand. And in Revelation 5, verse 7, that ultimately proved that the one sitting on the throne is not the Messiah. Revelation 5, verse 7. Actually, Revelation 5, verse 6. And I beheld and lo, in the, midst, in the middle of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it has been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. So obviously the Lamb has something to do with the Spirit of God, or the spirits of God. Verse 7, And he came and, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. So that's ultimate proof that um, the Messiah was the one that took the book out of the one sitting on the throne. It looks like jasper and sardine stone and emerald and has a rainbow around his throne. All right, so Revelation 4 and 5 reveals to you gives you a picture of what the Father looks like and also the Messiah and it gives you a picture of what's in heaven right now which Hebrews chapter 12 tells us also Hebrews chapter 12 but you are coming to Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem which we understand to be the Lord's wife and of course a city has a population and that population um, will certainly consist of the first fruits, the bride of Christ. All right, so, um, but ye are coming to the Mount Zion and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Uh, scripture just popped up into my mind here um, to prove to you that the assembly is does consist of the wife of the Messiah as well as the, the, the new Jerusalem where they'll be living at. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to be one husband, and I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And then in Ephesians, Ephesians, chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning the Messiah and the church. Okay? So, and then Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 states plainly, 
Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. All right? And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And then when we turn to Revelation chapter 21 again, it gives us further definition of what the wife consists of. Uh, the wife, not only is the wife the assembly of the first fruits, but also the wife, the new Jerusalem, is also part of the wife of the Lamb. Verse 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vows full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me and said, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. In verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit, to a great and high mountain, and show me that great city, the holy Jews, and descending out of heaven from God. So that's also the wife of the Messiah. And that wife, that new Jerusalem, will have a population in it. Any city does, including the first fruits of the Messiah, is the Lamb's wife as well. Okay, so, so Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 6, a description of the first six seals. Revelation chapter 7, you can all get a detailed description of all these chapters in, in my uh, Bible study that I think, think lasts for about a couple of months, maybe three months. Revelation chapter 7 um, talks about what will occur before the seventh seal is uh, removed, talks about the, the sealing of the 144,000, and also a it talks about a group that came out of tribulation. And in Revelation chapter 8, the, the seventh seal is open, and then it, it talks about all the seals. Revelation 8 and 9 talks about all the seals until the um, sixth seal. All right. Now, Revelation chapter 10, um, is it there, um, Revelation chapter 10, uh, there's kind of like an intermission, basically. Uh, there is a stoppage of the story flow, and it talks about a mighty angel coming and had a message, and it, it ends in Revelation 10, verse 11, and he, that's, and he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations, tongues, and kings. And it talks about a little book, and this little book uh, context obviously is is uh, is uh, good news, but also bad news. All right, and th this is before the uh, seven trump sounds, because Revelation eight and nine talks about six trumpets, and, and and here's the key to understanding the book of Revelation: all the the the, the punishments and judgments consist of six seals, six trumpets, six plagues. Remember the acronym STP, S as a snake, T as in Tom, P as in Paul. STP, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plates. They're not all talking about the same event. It's progressive. So um, the seven seals, the seventh seal initiates the seven trumpets. The seven trumpet initiates the seven plagues. So remember that. All right, so <clears throat> Revelation chapter 10 is talking about what's going to happen before the seventh trumpet is sounded, okay? Revelation chapter 11 talks about the tribulation, three and a half years. 
All right, and it starts talking about the temple being built, Revelation chapter 1 and 2, despite people falsely teaching that it's not going to be, it is going to be. Um, it says in Revelation 11 verse 1, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and I did say I was going to go like five minutes, uh, and the Lord is leading me to just give a summary of the book of Revelation now. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God. And he altered them that worship there, and so that proves there's going to be a built structure there. Verse 2, But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city of Jerusalem shall they thread underfoot forty-two months. So the entire city of Jerusalem is going to be taken over, not just half of it, all of it. Verse 3, And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy 1,203 score days. And so this whole chapter is talking about um, the entire tribulation period, leading all the way up until the sixth trumpet. Because it says right here, actually, leading all the way up until the seventh trumpet. So Revelation chapter 11 is really covering that period leading up to the seventh trumpet being sounded. Because in Revelation 11 verse 15 it says, And the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders which sat before God on the, on the seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, in verse 17, saying, We give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and his reign. And verse 18, And the nations were angry. So the, the nations are going to be angry that he's coming back, folks. It tells you the, the sorry state of mankind at this point. And thy wrath is come, the wrath, which is the seven vials, which I'm going to prove to you in a minute. Thy wrath has come and the time of the dead. So this is the time when the first fruits are resurrected, that they should be judged, and that thou should give reward unto thy service. I'm sorry. To give reward unto thy service to prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great. And this is the time also that the Messiah will destroy them that which destroy the earth. In verse 19, And the temple of God was open in heaven, and there was seen in this temple the ark, so that proves you that God has a temple in heaven. And there was seen in this temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and a great hail. All right, so Revelation chapter 12 gives you a picture of the assemblies throughout the ages. All right? And it says that a... a, a a part of the assembly in the end times will be able to escape the tribulation. These are the ones that were found worthy to escape all these things that will come upon the world. However, a remainder will be left. Revelation 12, verse 17, And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remainder of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and had the testimony of, of Yeshua. So Revelation chapter 11 and 12 are talking about the three-and-a-half-year period tribulation. Also, Revelation chapter 13 is talking about the three and a half year period as well, because it's talking about the beast. The beast will do during that 42 month or three and a half year period. And notice in the book of Revelation, when it talks about 42 months, is linking to the beast, is linking, linking toward the dark forces of this world. But whenever it's talking about, you know, three and a half years or 1,260 days, is talking about the assemblies, especially when it talks about three and a half days.
it's talking about the assembly. It's, not, it's talking about the uh, the uh, the good part. And, and, and 42 days is, is talking about the bad part or the the bad forces of this world. All right, so Revelation chapter 14 and 15 occurs after the seventh trump is sound. All right, because Revelation chapter 14, it appears as a vision of the 144,000 being in heaven. They were resurrected at the seventh trump. They're celebrating in heaven right now by the Father's throne after the seventh trump. They were taken. They were raptured. The rapture occurs at the seventh trump after the tribulation. And they were taken up to heaven to uh, be presented to the Father and also um, the wedding of the Lamb and the bride will occur in heaven. All right? So this is what this pictures, Revelation 14, uh, pictures that the, the beginning stages of that anyway. Because in verse 4 it says, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. All right, so Revelation chapter 14, and then there is a warning. This is before God's wrath is, is executed upon the earth. God's wrath are the seven vows. I'm going to prove that to you. So there's a lot in Revelation chapter 14. Uh, Revelation chapter 14 also is a final warning being given to everyone around the world who are living at this time before this is after the seventh trump is sound. This is after the resurrection of the first fruits have occurred. Um, the first fruits are, are in heaven right now. After the seventh trump is sounded, they are in heaven, and and uh, they are escaping the wrath of God. They won't be involved in the wrath of God. The seven vials. So that's the wrath that the first fruits will escape. The seven vials. They will not be on the earth during the time that the seven vials will be executed upon the earth. Okay, Revelation 14, verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst or in the middle of the sky, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people. And then verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and the earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. All right? And verse 8, and, and, there, and there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city which she made all nations drink of the wine and the wrath of her fornication. Verse 9, and the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. The wrath of God are the seven vials. I'm going to prove that to you which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Of course, this will occur on the earth when this occurs. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment, not them, but the smoke of their torment, ascended forever and ever. In this context, obviously, forever and ever means until the end of the ages, uh, until the time when the um, the dead and the round the uh, spirits that are separated from their bodies will be thrown in a lake of fire, and death and those spirits won't exist anymore because in Revelation chapter 21 it says all the former things have passed away. The lake of fire, 
um, in the realm of the dead are the former things. They will pass away. They will no longer exist. Verse 11, and the smoke of their torment is sent up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever received the mark of his name. So they won't have any rest because they won't exist. So <laughs> verse 12, here is the patience of the saints, and here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from hence. Yes, says the Spirit, they that may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Now, this is interesting. I have to go over this. Revelation chapter 14, verse 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice. To him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And verse 16, And he that sat on the cloud, he that sat on the cloud is the Messiah, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. So this is picturing the first resurrection of the first fruits. So this is the first fruits resurrection. Now, verse 17, And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And verse 18, And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire and, and cried with a loud cry. So Revelation 14, verses 14 and 16, this is going over what happened at the seventh trump. The uh, book of Revelation does on, on occasion, uh, talks about the same event again in, in certain places, and this is one of them. All right. So Revelation chapter 14, verse 14 to 16 is talking about what happened at the seventh trump, the time of the first resurrection. And Revelation 14, verse 18, And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in the sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God, which the seven vials will involve. I will explain and show that to you. In verse 20 of Revelation chapter 14, And the winepress was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress even unto the horses' bridles in the space of 1,600 furlongs, or 200 miles. In Revelation 14 verse 20, And the grapes were crushed underfoot outside the town, and the blood came from them even to the headbands of the horses 200 miles. 200 miles, which is interesting. So, Kerr here, ladies and gentlemen. And so th th this is interesting because um, I'm looking at the uh, David Stern's commentary. It says literally 1,600 furlongs. 1,600 is the square number 4 by 4 by 100. The four quarters north, south, east, and west of the Holy Land or else of the world. The completeness and universe, um, the completeness of the world, wide destruction being hereby indicated. It does not exactly answer to the length of Palestine as given by Jerome, 160 Roman miles. Bengal thinks the valley of Kedron between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives is meant the, tor the torrent in that valley being about to be discolored with blood to the extent of 1,600 furlongs. This view accords with Joel's prophecy that the valley of Jehoshaphat is to be the scene of the overthrow of the anti and the Messiah falls. So that's what's going to occur in the future. So that's what that's picturing, actually. Revelation chapter 19, 
uh, the latter part of Revelation chapter 19, as we're going to see. So Revelation chapter um, 14, verse 18 to 20 is picturing the return of the Messiah, which is also found in Revelation chapter 19. Okay, so Revelation chapter 15, verse 1, it says, And I saw another sign in heaven, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So the seven last plagues is filled up the wrath of God. It is the wrath of God, ladies and gentlemen. So Revelation chapter 15 uh, is the angels getting ready to uh, pour out the seven last plagues upon the earth. Revelation chapter 16, the whole chapter gives you a definition and a description of the seven vials, ladies and gentlemen, that are thrown out into the earth. It says, Revelation 16, verse 1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. So that scripture, with no doubt, tells you that the seven vials is the wrath of God and is thrown upon the earth. And at this time, I want you to understand that, let me go back to Revelation chapter 15, verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Verse 2, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass. Now, hold your place here, Revelation 15, verse 2. When you see the sea of glass, you have to go back to Revelation chapter 4 to understand what the sea of glass represents. Revelation 4, verse 6, and behold, the throne. And before the throne, before the throne, let me get some water here. My voice is getting uh, kind of scratchy here. Okay, Revelation 4, verse 6. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around about the throne, four beasts full of eyes before and behind. All right, so the sea of glass is near the throne of God, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go back to Revelation chapter 15 to fully understand this. Revelation 15, verse 2. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So the first fruits are in heaven right now by God's throne, ladies and gentlemen. They are in his temple, and they are celebrating, as they should. Verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Verse 4, Whom shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. All right, so right now, as you can picture spiritually in your mind, after the seventh trump, all the first fruits are in heaven, and they are singing before the thrones of God. They're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, and they are by the throne of God. They are right by the Father and the Messiah. All right. So Revelation chapter 16 talks about the seven vows executed upon the earth. And I want you to notice something. The uh, sixth vial is very significant. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, which is located in the area of Iraq today. And the water therefore was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs 
come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Verse 14, for they are spirits of devils, working miracles which go forth into the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. In verse 15, when he says, I come as a thief, he's referring to the battle of Armageddon, the, which day of God Almighty, the day of the Lord, which the whole book of Revelation is, is talking about, the description that leads to this great day. Verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, that he walk and they... Or that, that, I'm sorry. Revelation 16, verse 15 states, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, that not he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse 16, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. In verse 17, And the seven angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. So when the seven trump, not the seven trump, but the seven vial is executed upon the earth, all this is done. All the, the judgments are complete. Verse 18, And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. So the greatest earthquake that will ever occur in the history of the world will occur at this time. That's when you'll know that it is done. Verse 19, And the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. All the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon, this is the headquarters of Babylon, was destroyed. The great city was divided into three parts. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And so, the city of Babylon will be divided into three parts. And all the cities of the nations will fall. Every island will fly, be fled away. So all the islands will be gone. And all the mountains were not found. So, uh, the city of Babylon will be divided into three parts. All the cities of the nations will fall. Every island will be fled away, and all the mountains will, will not be found. And it will be the greatest earthquake that ever occurred, so you'll know that it is done. <laughs> and verse 20, and verse 21, And there fell upon man a great hail out of heaven about the weight of a talent. And according to commentary here, um, what is the uh, talent? which is three score pound weight. So that's pretty heavy here. I'm trying to figure out exactly what the number is. Uh, I'm not getting... Uh, I have numerous translations here. Oh, a huge 70-pound hailstone. So it's about 70 pounds, ladies and gentlemen, or it could be more, but it's pretty It's pretty heavy. <laughs> What's going to be uh, occurring here in, in this century and. And it says, And there fell upon men a great hail, 70-pound stones, out of heaven. And men, black, and they still, and this tells you the mental state of people at this time, very wicked, like the days of Noah. And men still going to blaspheme God because of the plague of the hell, for the plague there was exceeding great. That's sad. All right, so Revelation 6, chapter 16 describes the wrath of God, which are the seven vows, all the seven vows, are executed in Revelation chapter 16 and explained. Now, Revelation chapter 17 gives you a description, a further description of the beast. All right? So, again, this is the stoppage of the story flow, and it gives you a little more detail about the beast and what's going to happen to her. All right, Revelation chapter 18 is a further description of the destruction of Babylon. Now, Revelation chapter 19 is a description of the first fruits that are on the sea of glass. And 
it states here in Revelation 19, verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. That word people means multitude, the same word that is used in Revelation chapter 7 when it talks about a great multitude of all nations standing before his throne. All right, so it says, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah. Hold your place here, Revelation 19, verse 1. I want to go to, um, I want to, go to Revelation. Revelation chapter uh, 7 here. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It says, After this I beheld and lo, a great, sorry for going over a little over, going a little over rather, but uh, the Lord is leading me to do this uh, for those who have not even heard my whole series of the book of Revelation. I'm summarizing it and I'm hoping that will influence you to want to go back and listen. Uh, I did the best I could to speak perfectly, but uh, if I mispronunciate some words, uh, have mercy on me, but I, I did the best that I could. In most cases, I am speaking clearly. And Anyway, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, the throne, as the Father, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and, and palms in their hands. Verse 10, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So the one that sits upon the throne is the Father and unto the Lamb. The Lamb sits at the right hand of the Father. Verse 11, And all the angels stood around about the throne, and the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne in their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might unto our God forever and ever. Verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence they came? Verse 14, And I said unto them, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, they're before the Father, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. All right, and so notice that when the Father lands on the earth, there won't be any more temple because he will be the temple, but yet this is describing that uh, they will be in his temple. So obviously the first fruits will be allowed to be in God's presence, just like the angels are allowed to be in uh, in God's pre presence, the Father's presence. So I just wanted to point that out to you. Let me go back to Revelation chapter 19. <clears throat> and remember that um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it is revealed the following. Corinthians 6, verse 2 to 3. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. So if the angels are allowed to be in God's presence, certainly we will as well. And, and uh, that's just common sense. And then the, the Messiah stated this about our resurrection, um, that we will be like the angels. So I just need to point this out. These are the scriptures here that we need to uh, take seriously here. In Luke 20, verse 36, Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, and being the children of the resurrection. So we're going to be equal to the angels, although we'll be judging the angels, but we'll have, we will have be able to have access to the Father's throne, and we'll be able to see the Father, just like the angels are seeing the Father, because we'll be greater than the angels. We'll be able to judge the angels. So I'm just using common sense there. So let's go back to... Uh, Revelation, and plus the scriptures I showed you reveals that. Revelation chapter 17. 
for 18, 19. Okay, so we understand that uh, the great multitude in heaven, that's, that's the first fruits, all right, and possibly the angels as well celebrating. Verse 2, for true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged a great whore which did corrupt the earth, but for fornication have avenged the blood of his servants in her hand. And again, they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever, or until the second, the, the time period of the second death, when the, the um, death and the realm of the dead are thrown in the lake of fire. That is the second death, which has no power, it has no strength. And it will no longer exist because God stated that all the former things will be passed away, including that. So there won't be any more lake of fire. There won't be any more spirits separated from their bodies. All of that will be wiped out and destroyed and passed away, according to the scriptures. <clears throat> and he says he, he renews things. He creates everything new. All right, so um, Revelation chapter 19 is the celebration in heaven, which leads to the marriage. The marriage, obviously, is going to be in heaven, um, it's going to be uh, Psalm 45, verse 1 to 15, describes it's going to be at the king's palace, which uh, is his temple in heaven, so that marriage, the consummation of the lamb and the wife will be in heaven, because it states here, Revelation 19, verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God, omnipotent reigneth, verse 7. And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, is coming. In other words, at this time, the marriage is going to be conducted. All right? All right? And his wife has made herself ready. And Revelation 19, verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Verse 9, And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. So the marriage will be conducted in heaven according to the scriptures here. So all this activity is happening in, um, around God's throne room. Verse 10, and I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, see that thou not do it, for I am thy fellow servant and I thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. This is the third heaven. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in his in righteousness he does judge and make war. And verse 12, And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns or diadems. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So these armies will involve the angels and also will involve the first fruits. And so... After the wedding, the angels and his bride, which are the saints, the first ones, will come back on the earth to assist the Messiah in ruling the earth and the universe. And that's what this pictures here. Um, then Revelation 19, verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. Verse 16 is the key verse. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Excuse all that confusion there that you're hearing. Uh, it says, and he have on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. So he's not going to be the only king, but he'll be the top king. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So it'll be 
more than one king. There will be kings and lords. All right, and then the rest of the description is the description of what's going to occur um, based upon the description of Revelation chapter 14, verses uh, 14 to 18. Um, the birds are going to be eating the flesh, and there's going to be blood all over the place. And I already described Revelation chapter 20, 21, and 22 on today's program. And so that is the, the whole summary of the book of Revelation, ladies and gentlemen. And to really understand a key point of the book of Revelation, at, at the seventh trump will be the rapture, and and uh, the first fruits and those who are dead will be resurrected. They are the bride of Christ, and they will, and they will ascend with the Messiah to heaven, and will be presented before the Father's throne, and will, at that time, consummate the marriage. The marriage will occur in heaven. And then as the seven vials are being executed upon the earth, and at the, at, at the seventh vial, after the seventh vial has been executed, then the Lamb and his bride and all the angels will descend from heaven to the earth and take rulership of the entire world and the universe. So that's the key key for you to understand that. It's key for you to understand that. In First Thessalonians, chapter 4. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And this is at the seventh trump. I'm going to prove that to you here in a minute. And First Thessalonians 4, verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, people have incorrectly taught that at this time we're going to go immediately back down to earth. Where does it say that? It doesn't say that at all. That's a classic example of eisegesis, of putting your own thoughts in the scriptures. It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so what's going to occur, we're going to be with the Lord. Revelation chapter 14, 15 proves to you that the first fruits, when they are resurrected, the dead first and then those that are still alive at that time, will ascend with the Messiah to heaven, and they will be in heaven until the wrath of God is executed. The wrath of God are the seven vials. Remember, the seven seals, the seventh seal initiates the seven trumpets, the seventh trump initiates the seven vials. At the seventh trump will be the resurrection. The first fruits will ascend with the Messiah to heaven to, to be presented to the Father. So the Father can orchestrate or participate in the consummation, the marriage of the Lamb and his bride, which is the assembly. And that will occur in heaven, as Revelation chapter 14, 15, and 19 in particular reveals. All right? After the wedding is over and after all the seven vials have been executed upon the earth, then the Messiah, along with all the angels in heaven and the saints, will descend on the Mount of Olives to rule the earth and the universe. Now, let's turn to Zechariah, because Zechariah describes this. Zechariah chapter 14. 
verse 1, that describes Revelation chapter 19. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now that's a description of the sixth vial. Hold your place here. This is the thief in the night that he was talking about, Zechariah 14, verse 2. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city. Now, at the start of the tribulation, the entire city will be taken. But right now, half the city shall, be, shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. This is, this, this is a description of the sixth vial, ladies and gentlemen. When... Uh, all the, the nations will be gathered against Jerusalem. Now, the seventh vial, um, that's the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of all cities, islands, the greatest earthquake that ever occurred will occur on the earth, and all the mountains of the earth will not be found. After the seventh vial has been executed, verse 3 will occur. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And then Zechariah 14, verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day, Upon, um, upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. In verse 5 of Zechariah chapter 14. And he shall flee, and ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. And ye shall flee like as ye fled from the, before the earthquake in the days of Yuzah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So all the saints will be with the Messiah. And in verse 6, And it shall come to pass in that day, the light shall not be clear and dark. Verse, Zechariah 14, verse 6, And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. And verse 7, Zechariah 14, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And verse 8, And it shall be in that day that the living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. And verse 9 of Zechariah 14, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and that day there shall be one Lord, and his name one. And I'm looking forward to that. And then in Revelation chapter uh, 17, states the following. It says, Revelation 17, verse 14. And these shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. This is talking about what occurs after the seventh vial is executed upon the earth. All right? After Revelation chapter 16. Um, Revelation 17, verse 14 is a description of Revelation chapter 19 and Zechariah chapter 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. And they that are with him, are called, chosen, and faithful. Those are the saints. Okay? All right, so I hope I'm explaining this to you in a way that perhaps has not been explained to you before in a clear way. All right. So, we understand that. That the Messiah, along with the saints and the angels from heaven, will come on the earth to rule this earth and the entire universe. The the earth will be the headquarters of the entire universe, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and then Revelation, I'm sorry, Zechariah 14, verse 2 says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem. That's, this is Joel, too, Joel chapter 3, to battle. 
and that is the sixth vial. All right? The seventh vial certainly is talking about the destruction of all island cities, the destruction of the city of Babylon, and the destruction of all mountains, because all mountains won't be found, and then the greatest earthquake that will ever occur upon the earth will occur. All right? So I hope you understand that. I'm trying to explain it as clearly as I can. So, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, created man, in Genesis 1, verse 26, to be in his image, after his likeness. He created man to be able to have jurisdiction over the entire universe. And Hebrews chapter 2 reveals that. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. Actually, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. For unto the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. Verse 6. But one in a certain place testifies, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that you visit him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, a little lower than Elohim, God himself. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and you did set him over the works of thy hands. Verse 8. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. All things means the entire universe. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. That means the entire universe should be put under him. But now we don't see that. But now we see not yet all things or the entire universe put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering, or Elohim, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons. So he's not going to be the only son of Elohim. It's going to be other sons of Elohim. Unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For they which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. All right, so that is the purpose of man, ladies and gentlemen. The purpose of man is to become co-creators and to create along with the Father and the Son. And the universe will expand. The universe um, will always expand. It's limitless. And you see all those planets, all those planets, they are just waiting for the children of God. Verse Romans 8, verse 21, I'm going to read this in the basic uh, Bible version for you to understand. It says, um, Romans 8, verse 21, that all living things will be made free from the power of death and will have a part with the free children of God in glory. All right, so that that is uh, purpose. And um, let me take a look at this in the King James Version here. In Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8. Verse 18, I'm reading this in the uh, 1965 Bible and basic English version. I am of the opinion that there is no comparison between the pain of this present time and the glory which we see in the future. For the strong desire of every living thing is waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. And it says the creation in the King James Version. Let me read that in the King James Version. For the earnest expectation of the creature or the creation, or the original creation, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature of the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, 
because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. All right? And verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the purpose of mankind. Mankind was created to be at one with God, to literally be gods or Elohims, with, of course, the top God, God the Father, over all the Elohims. And so I leave you with that, that God is calling, if you're listening to me, God is calling you to be the first fruits, the first fruits, the priests and kings of God and the Messiah, of the Father and of the Son. And we will help initiate um, a new earth and a new universe. Actually, I'll leave you with one last scripture that describes what we will be doing. Psalm 149, verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute judgments to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord, Jehovah. Please answer your call. Many are called, few are chosen. If you need more information on how to repent, how to become immersed or baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error, Contact me. Email me at canard at mercifulservantsofgod.com. Let's get ready. Um, if you want to be worthy to escape all these things, let's get ready. And you can escape these things by making sure that you'll be able to be enter the kingdom of God. But you can also escape these things by physically escaping these things as well. But the overall goal, of course, is to spiritually stay alive. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 